Hello, hello, and welcome to Temple of the False Pod, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. This is episode 84. Yep. 74. Getting ahead of myself. Season 8, episode 74. There we go. I just wanted to talk about my Prismari deck, but this isn't a deck tale. That was last week. Yeah. Uh, so, you know... We were discussing before we started recording. Uh, this deck, Galazeth Prismari, we've done an episode about. We have. Uh, he's a four mana, you know, red, blue, two mana, two, two generic. Why am I having such a hard time saying these words? He's red, blue, two. Uh, he's a three, four flyer. Flyer. <laughs> uh, Elder Dragon, legendary creature. When Galazeth Prismari enters the battlefield, create a treasure token. Artifacts you control have tap, add one mana of any color, spend this mana to cast only to cast an instant or sorcery spell. If you listened to our, la- our previous episode about this deck, you know what this deck's about. If not, let me give a quick recap. It likes to make a lot of treasures. Pretty simple. Also, it utilizes non-treasure artifacts to also make mana. Uh, there is an artifact, I guess, uh, theme with an artifact creature sub-theme. Uh, there's, there's some mirror generators. I guess off the bat, those, those artifact creatures generally don't have haste unless I have Brutaclad out. Uh, so you can't tap them right away for mm-hmm. mana because they are creatures. But why I bring it up is because this deck loves big spells yeah not, uh, not really a big surprise there given right given the context of the card and what we're looking about i'm guessing it loves big instants and sorceries oh is yes the kind of spells that it probably likes almost exclusively well um, that would stand to reason given <laughs> given the commander i've uh i've had games with this deck where uh i've had w- things like wizard spellbook pop off where you tap it exile an instant or sorcery from your graveyard roll a d20 uh and then do what it says copies it essentially from your graveyard or it exiles it and then it makes a copy uh you can either pay it for its cost or cheaper or free uh it's cool stuff but then you've got things like jaya's immolating inferno um and what's the other one uh the big the big red uh crackle of power um both which are x spells right uh Jaya's Immolating Inferno's Red Red X. Jaya's Immolating... It's a legendary sorcery, so you have to have a legendary creature or planeswalker on the battlefield to play it. Uh, and it deals X damage up to three target, uh, up to three targets. Handy, considering most games you have three opponents. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it was like this card was built for commander games. <laughs> no, it wasn't even like that. It is that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not... It's not excellent in uh, limited formats. Um, <laughs> Crackle, I mean, I guess in its own limited format, it came out in Dominaria, uh, which there was a legendary creature in every pack, uh, and therefore you're high. You have higher chances of having a red-based legendary creature in your right. deck, but obviously highly <laughs> playable in uh, Commander. Crackle with power, on the other hand is red red x x x so three x's crackle with power deals five times x damage of up to x targets uh if you have never seen this card x x at one 
So the spell costs two, two, or red, red, three. Uh, it deals five damage to one target. Uh, X is two. It do, uh, It's eight mana. So then uh, it deals 10 damage to two targets, etc., etc. Uh, if you go above, say, where X... You, I mean, you really only need X to be what? Like, I mean, if you have X being three, it deals 15 damage to three targets. Right. Um, for 11 mana. Right. Now, <laughs> normally you would look at that and say, okay, well, that's cute, 11 mana, though. But with this deck, you, you're going <laughs> to... 11 mana is not a real issue. Right. So the the normal... The normal restriction with this is, yeah, 11 mana is a lot of mana. That's very late game type of things, which in this deck it can be as well. Um, but between the amount of treasure it pumps out through things like uh, Gold Vein Pick, where uh, whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, create a treasure. That's just one. If you give it double strike, it makes two, and it's an artifact. So that's three mana already. Um, things like Malcolm, whenever a pi- one or more pirates deals just any damage to an opponent, create a treasure. Um, you know, you've got all these things that make treasure. You've got Togo, which is essentially landfall, make a rock, which is an artifact, which right. you can tap for mana. Um, and so this deck really does do two things. It creates treasure or artifacts slash big mana, and it plays a lot of doubling slash copying spells. Um, Which is also a nice way to really make the big spells count for a whole lot more. Oh, absolutely. By just paying the doubling costs. So. Um, yeah, so like things like uh, Teach by Example is hybrid red-blue, hybrid red-blue. Uh, instant, when you cast your next instant or sorcery spell this turn, copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. Very cool. Uh very much nice fork uh yeah uh but you gotta play it before right um and it's you're kind of then broadcasting to the rest of the table what you're about to do you're about to do something big um you know you put in x equals two so you you could do 10 damage to two targets but with teach by example for two extra mana you are doing 10 damage to four targets uh, or 20 damage to one target and yeah. 10 to two others, etc., etc. Right. Um, and this becomes unwieldy uh, very quickly. Um, but in terms of, like, when when does your opponent respond? You know, do they respond right. to the copy? Do they respond to the crack with power cast? I mean, with the crack with power cast, you choose the targets and then they can counter it but if you have a copy coming up then like that copy also goes on the stack and then they have to counter it essentially both of them for it to fully be neutralized (laughs) so so you're describing a direct damage deck Mm -hmm. that has some resilience yes all right so what's the problem i don't know um so i mean so the the problem for me is that it does that one thing. I've played crack. I mean, I've played crackle with power. I mean, I've I've won through this deck with crackle with power on more than one occasion. Right. Which is a lot of fun. So therefore, I don't want to take it out. Yeah. But it does bring up this question to me of like, 
what more can this deck do? Do I just wait until Crackle the Power? Do I uh, do I like pump all my mana into my my draw spells like uh, you know Blue Sun Zenith or uh, what's the other one that I have in here? I don't even know if I have Blue Sun Zenith in here. Ingenious Mastery or mm -hmm. like any sort of X draw spell type of thing, or do I just wait for it to come out, or do I? put in like how do i quote unquote fix the deck so that it's not so like i don't know a out of nowhere which i mean this is the type of deck that's going to be out of nowhere uh but also be like how do i add in something else right uh, no. almost almost to a point where uh how do i add in a way for my opponents to be able to interact a bit more right now to be fair mm -hmm. i mean you say out of nowhere yeah what what you're saying is it can win by playing one card and it wins right away yeah because this isn't out of nowhere uh i mean realistically you have galazeth in play you have a bunch of artifacts <laughs> yeah and honestly if you've got a handful of treasures plus some other artifacts and Galazeth out. That's kind of the warning beacon, yeah, to everybody else on the board. That the next thing that happens is not going to be comfortable for everyone else. So um, you yeah. know that you are now in the position where you're, you know, you're looking to do serious big things. Yeah, and like there have been plenty of times too where I've gotten to mid-game and i've got things like double vision or mm -hmm. uh what's the one with the bird uh sunbird's invocation sunbird's invocation thank you wow uh, that only took me. <laughs> sunbird's invocation is six mana enchantment so like right. takes a while to get there especially for an enchantment you can't really use prismari as you'd want to to play it uh but it says, whenever you cast a spell from your hand, reveal the top X cards of your library where X is that spell's mana value. You may cast a spell with mana value X or less from cards among the, uh, revealed this way without paying its mana cost. Put the uh, rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So it's kind of like Cascade without the exile and you only look at the top X cards. Um, the reason I took that out is mostly because it just t it eats time. It eats up as much right. time as it took for us to figure out the name of that card. Um, but, I mean, you even look at things like... Uh, I've got Double Vision in here, which is mm -hmm. a high-costed thing that says whenever you... Uh, it's five mana for an enchantment, again. Uh, whenever you cast your first instant or sorcery, spell each turn, copy it uh, for free, which is great. It's very cool. Right. Um, Especially if that, especially if that first spell is a copy spell, right? Uh, then you've got things, uh, you've got things like Mind's Desire in here, which I may take out because I have mm -hmm. a critical mass of X spells, right? And, and it's you not also have blue, yeah. Mind's Desire, maybe not as essential as it might be, right? But, um, I look at it, and you know, for us mm -hmm. in our meta, our meta is very. Uh, is very creature oriented. Mm. Uh, most most of the decks win through creature combat, um, and I think a lot of the decks really don't or have a very difficult time interacting with a deck that wins by casting 
sorceries and instants, especially X spells, mm. um, because you stop an X spell by countering it. That's really the only way. <laughs> you have to be able to counter it. Once, yeah. once it's cast, you need a counter, um, and you know, not a lot of, not a lot of decks run counters. Um, and you can tell me all the decks that run counters, but <laughs> if you're not blue, not a lot of decks run counters. And even if you are blue, uh, anybody who's listened to the podcast knows I am not a fan of counter spells in multiplayer magic. They're just too focused, too many times you're going after or you're countering something that may or may not hurt you because you don't know if it's coming at you. Right. And if all you're doing is holding your counter spells for just these X spells, then you're running a lot of counters for no reason at all <laughs> because they're just not going to come up very often, especially in our meta. So how does a meta like ours, which has some counters, stop this mm -hmm. other than sitting on those counters until this happens? And you're running more sorceries and instants to do the damage than most of our decks are running counters to stop it. Right. So if you're at the point where you can cast this stuff, then the group has to make it so that you're not at that point. <laughs> Too many times you determine who the leader is by what's on the battlefield. Mm -hmm. And somebody's got, in our group, somebody has four or five creatures on the board. They've put themselves into a threatening position where they can attack. Okay, then they're seen as the primary threat. Whereas if Andy's sitting there with just his legend out, <laughs> maybe there's a blocker, another blocker in addition, mm -hmm. and 12 artifacts, somehow you're not seen as the primary threat. And that's not a fault of your deck. That's a problem with the group reading the, reading the table. Right. Especially where, like, I mean, I've played this deck enough that, like, people understand how it works. Right. Um, they should understand that they should be seen as lands, the, the artifacts. Right. Um, and it's, it's interesting because it's definitely a deck that I bring out and I understand that I should be, like, the arch enemy. Like, it should be generally, at least mid-game on, an arch enemy game. Um, with 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 this particular deck, mm -hmm. when you get to ten mana, twelve mana, mm -hmm. you have to be considered the primary target. Right. Other other decks in our in our games can get to fourteen, sixteen. Hell, they can get to twenty mana. <laughs> this is not. They're not in a position where the next card can win the game. It's always going to be a case of I'm going to take that twenty mana and cast some creatures or do something else that will then then create a position where I'm in power. And our group needs to move. We need to adjust how we read the table for that. However, it, it's not as though this is all lost. As anybody who doesn't play a lot of counterspells knows, if I can't stop you, if I can't stop your sorcery that wins the game, then I have to stop your ability to cast it. Mm. And most every deck can do this. Get rid of the artifacts. It used to be a case where you could pick and choose which artifact needs to go. This artifact is threatening. It needs to be destroyed. Everybody is running artifacts. Tons of them. Treasure is huge in the format right now. 
uh, in virtually every single meta, whether it's a smothering tithe or or a treasure nabber or um, any or, uh, what is it bronze dragon the new one right it's insane anything no copper dragon I don't know anything they're all churning out a ton of treasure and if it's not a treasure then it's gold or it's a clue or it's food or it's an artifact creature or or it's a copy that's an artifact right or whatever the meta is lousy with artifacts so it's we a should, wonder we should all be running way more mass artifact removal oh absolutely if it's going to cost you a soul ring and one of your mana rocks you know to clear your board and prevent you from casting the game winning spell then just <laughs> do it yeah you know what are you waiting on it's not as though you have to run a deck that has no artifacts in it to run mass artifact removal you can it's it's just not that hard yeah and you should we should all be running way more artifact removal i have been a big proponent of saying we need to run more enchantment removal because enchantments seem to be uh getting or seem to have been getting a free ride mm. on on the table the only time they ever seem to get destroyed is when all was when all permanents are destroyed that's garbage they need to go mm. but especially with things like like smothering tithe right because it's i mean it's one thing if you destroy all artifacts if the smothering tithe if the smothering tithe still is still there by two two turns later you've got the same <laughs> problem again but um luckily i can't run that in this right so <laughs> it's just you know how do you make this work yeah so and i think that uh you know manage you know for a group to manage manage your deck you have to go after the source and I'm not advocating anybody run uh, run a mass land destruction. Right. But I am saying that a, a lot of decks, and the one we're describing is definitely one of them, <laughs> where if you can take out all of the artifacts, well, nobody can complain. Right. Because, I mean, it, it really is a matter of turning, say, treasure from the lotus petals that they are to actual physical lands like it is right it is that important in this deck where like getting rid of a treasure or any artifact does start to push back on the the front line of this deck um and i think like even to an extent like just kind of making sure that prismari doesn't stick for too long um you know like it can it can sit around for a turn or two but like as you start to see whoever the Prismari player is, uh, in this case me, once you start to see me kind of really balloon up in artifacts, like, first thing that's got to go is my commander. Well, and that if you get rid of the commander, mm -hmm. well, now you have to sack the artifacts to get the commander back out on the battlefield. Right. Because if we can kill your commander even twice, then it's up to how much mana? Uh, yeah, it starts at four, so killing it twice, it's eight. You know, right. Doubled. Eight. So you're probably burning up some of that treasure just to get it back onto the battlefield. Yeah. And really, that's what you're looking for. Because uh, once it's on the battlefield and you're just tapping the treasure for mana, it's, you know, to cast other spells. Right. So, yeah, you really want to, you know, make it exorbitant. And, you know, I again, I'm not really a fan of constantly targeting my opponent's commanders. I do want to see them do the thing. I want, right. you know, you want to see the deck 
interact and take part. But if you've got an opponent that can take you with one card, <laughs> when when these you know when this situation you know when this scenario is set up, well then you can't let the scenario get set up if you can't deal with that one card. Yeah, I mean so, especially too like like it's it's nice to see a deck go off. It's nice to have a deck go off. But say I double. Uh, or I say I copy Brass's bounty so that I get two times as many treasure for as many land as I have. Like I'm right. instantly the threat, and I don't expect to not be. Um, right. And I think I, with this deck, and I mean, I feel like I'm. Uh, I don't know. Like I, I feel like whenever I bring this deck out, I'm expecting to be the V one. People start to like, like. In early game threat assessment, you need somebody to get your chip-ins on. This this deck needs to be that one. Nobody wants to be like, oh, it's that deck? Thump, thump, thump. Right. Nobody. And like, and I'm, when I say nobody, I mean our group. Right. Nobody wants to be, it's like, oh, okay, Andy's playing that. So then they go after you constantly and never let up. And, you know, I'm not a particularly a big fan of that either. But... <laughs> If that's what it ha- if that's how you have to be able to respond to it, then that's how you have to be respond to it. I mean, if it means that the only effective way to to manage is to get Andy's life total down to ten or less, <laughs> and then we'll see what happens. Yeah, especially where like this deck it runs creatures, but like getting me down to ten or less is an easy way for it to be like all right like if he starts acting up we'll go for him right um but i don't know like it's definitely it's tough because like i i know how many times i've failed with this deck and i've also made a lot of adjustments since um and it's it's tough to not drag that 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 early game section out to be like oh like i'm not doing anything on board when it's like i know that i'm building up to big mana and then right it, there needs you know with with the rest with the rest of us with most of the decks mm-hmm. adding adding the mana or playing a mana rock is still doing nothing right there's nothing there because they know that the next step has to be a creature on the board that because that's how they're going to win so if they don't have five creatures on the board lined up, then they're looking at you like, what are you doing? Clearly I've got nothing. But your deck doesn't have that step. <laughs> your deck has the step of, okay, look, I've got three mana rocks and my commander out, but that's it. It's like, okay, well, the commander in those three mana rocks means that your mana total is at like 10. That's a problem already. Yeah. So it just need, you just need to understand that. So I see by the time we should probably head for the break. Yes. Um, and I think after the break, you want to sort of look at uh, ways to diversify. Yes. Uh, I've, got, I've got some things that I've already done to the deck to diversify a little. And uh, we'll talk about those and potentiality uh, when we get back. Sounds we'll good. We'll be right back. This episode of Temple of the False Pod is brought to you by Mere Battlesphere, because sometimes you just want five artifacts. <laughs> this episode of Temple of the False Pod is brought to you by Sharding Sphinx, because 
sharding sphinx. <laughs> Never gets old. <laughs> We're back. Um, talking about my Prismari deck, kind of, but mostly just talking about uh, how to dissect the idea of changing a deck to your meta, or at least how you play it. I don't know. It's 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 a difficult topic today. I think the first half of what we've talked about mm-hmm. is more a case of how to deal with the deck, how to deal with a deck that is significantly or that significantly diverges from your meta. Mm-hmm. In this case, we're talking about a deck that wins primarily through sorcery through sorcery speed X spells in a meta that is very focused on creatures, which has significantly fewer ways to manage to to stop a sorcery or instant. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the second half, I think what we really wanted to look at was um, a deck that essentially wins the same way over and over again. And how do you how do you spice that up? Yeah, you know how do you make that change? Um, so because I know Andy, we had talked a little bit before the podcast that, and you were saying that you felt like the deck basically proceeds and wins the same way. Yeah, it just kind of holds out until I have. You know, Jai's Illuminating Inferno or Crackwood Power or right. any given, like, do big thing with, like, it's essentially like, oh, now you have enough mana to win the game? Okay. Um, you know, it's the same thing you see with, like, things like Exsanguinate or Debt to the Deathless, where it's like, uh, you just need the card in hand and a lot of mana. And then you did it. Uh, and not to say that it's like a like a two card combo because you, with I mean, like we discussed, this deck needs all of the artifacts out. You need sometimes Prismari to be out too, at least if it does get countered. But essentially, it just kind of sometimes feels like I'm holding out or drawing to these specific cards to then play them, um, which can feel one note and. It's probably why I don't play the deck very often anymore. Um, and the like, I mean, one of the first things I did uh, to change it after I had gotten the like mana figured out was take out Karn's Temporal Sundering, which is six mana, legendary sorcery. So you need a legendary creature, Planeswalker out, uh, and it says uh, for blue blue four. Uh, essentially bounce target non-land permanent target player takes extra turn so the idea behind the deck was to copy that because this deck like i've said before likes loves even to copy spells it just wants to copy and copy and copy um copy copies and then play those copies uh and to make multiple copies of things like Karn's Temple or Temporal Sundering, or uh, I think I had a Time Warp in there or something. Uh, it just, you made extra turns. And then I realized if you're not doing anything with mana on, like, during those turns, it just ends up being expensive card draw. Right. Um, very specific card draw. Yeah. And uh, it, yeah, it, it, there are better ways to do that. I mean, right. I mean, Karn Swirl Thundering is, if you're not doing anything else, it's bounce a, bounce a permanent, draw a card. 
Mm. You're going to pay six mana for that? And it's a sorcery? I mean, I'm pretty confident you can find a better a better rate mm. than that if that's all you're going to do with your extra turn. Right. And, like, obviously you get that six mana back and you get, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you've got things like Hellkite Tyrant, not Hellkite Tyrant, Leyline Tyrant, uh, out where you get to kind of bank that red mana, <clears throat> right. uh, you can do that. Yeah. Um, and it is more accessible. But right. your opponent still saw you take an extra turn. And some people have an issue with that. Well, and it's interesting because, like, let's say you just get the one extra turn. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, how much mana did you have on the table in the first turn? So if you've got ten mana on the table, mm-hmm. Karn's Temporal Sundering costs six. So mm-hmm. you have four mana left. Now, if you never play the extra turn spell, how much mana are you losing over those two turns? You... Four. Mm. You have four mana extra to play with. This is this is you know the extra part of the turn. You essentially added four mana. Okay, great. But is that it? And if you play the turn with Karn's Temporal Sundering, because you're hoping to draw the card that will then allow you you to use that ten mana effectively, well then essentially you just are playing a card. You know if you don't draw into that. What have you done? <laughs> it's like, okay, great. I have 10 mana open. I am a blue deck, so maybe I got something going on. I can bluff something. But, you know, the the full effectiveness of getting the extra turn really fades. And, you, you know, and you really do need to look at it. And when you realize that a lot of opponents don't care what you do in the extra turn or even how long it takes, they just know you took an extra turn. Right. And now... They really hate you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was like the first thing that I did. Especially right. where I, I kind of built something kind of related to this on Arena. Um, you know, did the Prismari thing of artifacts and big mana. Right. Uh, and it really showed me how much extra turns in this deck don't do. Like, if you're playing extra turn spells on curve, they're not doing anything. Like like we yeah. were just talking about, they're not doing anything. So you want to play them with a lot of mana uh, available. Um, so I just kind of got rid of them because they're slow, essentially. Um, well, and, and they they look they 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 put the target on you even more. They put the target on you, and to me, even when they're effective, they're a win more. Mm. I mean, most of the time, if you didn't play it, you probably could have played the kill spell that was going to win you the game anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yes, you do draw the extra card, but again, it just play card draw. You're in blue. If that's what you're looking for, then just do that. It's far less, uh, you know, like I say, it doesn't paint the target on your back that way. Uh, like, uh, like something that says take an extra turn. Yeah. So, um, and it's it's tough because like past that, I I don't know where to go with this deck. There are like certain things that I can do uh, in terms of you know I can double I can copy spells, which is cool, but that takes up you know six or seven slots in the deck. I can 
I can I have things like trash for treasure, which brings an artifact out from right. the graveyard to the battlefield, which is cool. But if you look at the artifacts in my my deck, only some of them you'd really want to bring back out of the graveyard if somebody were to get rid of them. Like you're really relying on treasure, which once they hit the graveyard, they just get exiled. Um, like right. I mean, you you do have a number of a number of uh, artifacts that. That right. Do that you do want to have come back, um, but you know, this this is not a deck that's looking to looking for a ton of recursion. Right. I mean, even your X spells that you cast, I don't know that you're necessarily looking to pull them back out of the graveyard. You're more likely wanting to just double them or increase the power or yeah. do something like that when they're initially cast, as opposed to looking to cast them again in a turn by getting them back out of your graveyard. Yeah, and mostly it's it's a matter of trying to get the deed done right. with it. Um, and so like I'm, tr- I'm trying to figure out a way to make there a, a variety of ways to go about doing deck. Um, and I just, I don't know, like like we were talking before the recording um maybe we should stop doing that and just record that instead uh but like you know i i was saying that i had an issue with just always running with crap with power and the inverse is that i could do a token strategy where i put yeah. all my mana into making a bunch of tokens and then sure. waiting a turn to attack and you know as much as we are about de-optimizing or playing unoptimized ways, that is literally just asking to be dealt with. Like, like it is. I don't know. Like it's it, just it, not what this deck is is aiming for. When you right. have an obvious ant, when you have an obvious card that does this, and you intentionally choose a card that's going to take your win at least a turn longer and it's there solely to make it easier for your opponents to deal with it doesn't mm. that part doesn't make a lot of sense so i get that i mean <clears throat> you are talking to somebody whose grenzo deck was for the longest time uh simply a way to keep churning until you hit gray merchant <laughs> um, because gray merchant of asphodel was just the win condition for the deck and it just kept going to it again and again and again now i've managed to alter that and run with other cards that you know do cool things and have a little variety and uh and it it works out but uh so have you uh what sort of ideas do you have um started doing this or is this something that's more still a thought it's still kind of a thought just because i haven't played the deck in a while sure um but a lot of it is coming out in the way that i want to i kind of want to focus on what cards in the deck i like the effect of that aren't doing anything for instance uh trash for treasure as i said brutaclad i've got in the deck but uh you know i'm creating a token each turn and that's about it like i'm not doing anything cool with those tokens. right so like maybe Focusing some of the other opt like some of the other game plan options toward Brutaclad or Wizard Spellbook. Like uh you know, I was explaining this card before and I kept thinking about like, okay, what is that what does that want to do? Granted, Wizard Spellbook can exile it out of other people's graveyards 
very cool. Right. Uh, but for seven mana, you're essentially exiling things that copy spells. And that is less exciting. Uh, and so I'm thinking of taking out some of the copy spells, but I don't want to get rid of all of the character that this deck has right. in that aspect. So I'm like, replace like I want to replace them with interesting spells. Uh, not to say that copying spells isn't interesting, but it's you know, it's been done. Uh, and I don't know. And I mean, this is kind of a more of a, a meta thing of uh, our our meta doesn't play too many wacky, big, goofy instants and sorceries. Uh, because, I mean, like you said, we're creature-based for the most part. Well, I mean, is that another option? I mean, you know, Crackle with Power, sure, it's an X spell, but, you know, is there another 10-mana sorcery or 8-mana sorcery you want to run? And mm. I'm not necessarily think, I'm not necessarily saying expropriate, mm. but there are plenty of other large, you know, significantly expensive spells that you get to do now because you have, you know, right. because you've created the situation. So, I mean, just yeah. trying it in, in that angle. Because, like I said, I mean, I don't know that you necessarily want to play something that gives you X creatures. Right. Because that's not what the deck does. It, it's the focus on the sorcerers and the instants. So, you know, go yeah. after those. And I'd love to, along the same lines with Wizard Spellbook, uh, figure out a way to make things like Ifrit Flame Painter work, where it's a 1-4 for 4 with double strike and whenever it deals combat damage to a player, you may cast instant or sorcery from your graveyard without paying its mana cost. If you cast it, uh, if a spell would be cast, put if a spell would be put into your graveyard exile instead. Uh, so it's like, you know, uh, it, like, that's, that's hard to do, where most of the spells either just copy things or rx dependent i mean the same was with the same thing with mind's desire it's it's it you whiff you whiff when you're dealing with mostly just x spells uh and i want to get away from the uh you have enough mana to win so pay mana and win game you know i want to get away from that and get into more of like oh like turn dependent specific dependent or turn specific uh spell where i'm just like all right like i've got five spells in my hand i need to figure out which one wins me the game rather than like oh this one has big x on it right um not to say that like that isn't fun because i've done it and it is a lot of fun uh but it gets boring after a bit and uh i can say i've done it you know Right. So, I mean, my thought, I went looking. Mm -hmm. Something like Clone Legion. Mm. Um, Is it blue? It's blue. Mm. Cost nine. It's seven, two blue. Uh, for each creature, target player controls. Create a token that's a copy of that creature. Now, I just finished saying, you don't want to do an X spell that creates a bunch of token creatures. But, this is different. Mm. Um and Especially if you're like you want, you want an opponent to have a big enough board state, you know. Right. You don't want to just 
Right. So it's it it's in it's responding to your opponent. Uh, it's creating that that sort of scenario. Um, I also eventually want to get that Hellkite Tyrant win where I just have twenty artifacts at the beginning of my upkeep. <laughs> uh. There's Enter the Infinite. Mm. Eight blue 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 blue. Uh, draw cards equals the number of cards in your library. Then put a card from your hand on top of your library. You have no maximum hand size until your until the sorry until your next turn. So you get to keep them all in hand until your next turn. You draw the last card. You better win. Yeah. Damn. Um, but I mean, you can. You know, these are, and I'm not saying you want to build your deck around any one of these. Just you know, all sorts of options. Uh, I mean, there aren't there aren't too many, but there's, I mean, there's options out there. But um, just to try and add add the variable to it. But I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, the other option is to uh, uh, you can always try and turn it into some some sort of storm variant. Mm. If you have that much that much mana. If you stop looking at the massive X spell and just with the idea of draw a ton of cards, uh, you know, cast something cheap to draw more cards, to cast something cheap to draw more cards, to cast something cheap, and you know, churn the uh, the storm count up so that and then hitting whatever storm spell you want to use. Um, I mean, that's another, that's certainly another option, and it's not as though that's an option that would remove some of the that crackle with power you can right. certainly offer you can certainly do both um i think especially where uh i i just came across soul fire eruption six red yeah. red red choose any number of target creatures planeswalkers or players i have this in my uh my my lelia deck mm-hmm. uh for each of them exile top card of your library then soul fire eruption deals damage equal to that converted or that cards converted mana cost to that permanent or player you may play it until the end of your next turn uh, right. So, you know, if there are a lot of targets, then great. Right. Um, and you're hitting all these cards, and then on your next turn, you're going to be able to, to cast several, of, likely several of yeah. them. Or at least you may run in, you may end up hitting another high mana cost card, doing significant damage with that one, and then have, being able to cast it for the mm. next turn. And I think, too, that that card may be my, my signpost mm. of, like... I want the deck to start doing these things. Right. Um, high mana cost, whether it's sorcery, instant, or even creature or artifact yeah. at this point. Um, and then, obviously, uh, the instant or sorcery type things that the deck wants to do. But, you know, look at high CMCs. Or, you know, for new players, mana value. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, we're going to have probably more of these types of episodes going forward where... We look at a deck that we're not necessarily hugely satisfied with, and we, you know, have probably had a deck tale about it. And then we'll talk about where we want to go with the deck, dependent on our meta, on how we feel about. Like maybe we'll just decide, you know what, we've had enough with the deck. Let's move on to something new with the either the keeping the same commander or throwing right. away getting a new one. Like. Yeah, I mean, I already have the next 
the next deck in mind for this one. So, <laughs> um, but I, I think we've 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 got a lot of mileage on this, and it's it's gotten me excited about this deck again. Is the right? Thing. I I love that. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go tool with it. I'm gonna go figure out how to make it do deck even more. Uh, so next week we've got Temple's Treasures. We're talking about sorceries of a color. We've done. Started with green. We did we? green. We did black. I think. Did we do white. No. So right. we're, we'll be back next week with white and uh, white, white sorceries. sorceries. Almost said enchantments. White sorceries for temples treasures. Uh, so get excited for that. Finding out some new Mm-mm-mm. curious cards that people haven't seen for years. Uh, make your opponents go. Wait, hold on. What does that do? <laughs> those are those are the best cards in Magic. Uh, best best thing to hear while playing a game of Magic. Hold on, what? Uh, yeah, back up. So, uh, thank you so much for hanging out tonight. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week, of course. Uh, we're Temple of Falsepod. We're our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. Thank you again for listening. I'm going to say thank you ten more times by the end of this episode. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Uh, and may your fifth land be the temple. Bye! Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Wait, wait. Before you go, I uh, just wanted to say thank you for listening. You can reach out to us via email at falsepodmtg at gmail.com or on Twitter at falsepodmtg. Bruce is at Mana Burned, and I'm at Andy Weekend, though you'll definitely notice I use the podcast Twitter far more often. Now that we've got you here, make sure you subscribe, like, rate us on uh, whatever podcast platform you use. It helps us out. It gets us more reach. Subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. Uh, like a video there. Leave some comments for more casual enjoyment. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with some more timeless discussions about all things casual. So come hang out, and may your fifth land be the temple. Bye-bye. Should I do my best, Bruce? Bye!